We're going to look at three verses today in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4, 5, and 6. We'll be looking at the second of the Ten Commandments. Everybody have it? Exodus 20. Let's have prayer. Father, today as we study your word, I pray you will make things very clear to us. You will speak to our hearts. You'll speak through me the words that need to be said. And you'll call to my mind what you have showed me in study, what I need to say. You'll give me the strength and the courage to say it. In Christ's name, amen. Now, folks, last week we established that the Ten Commandments were all about homeland security because the greatest way to protect the homeland is to protect the homes that are in the land. Now, that's exactly what the Ten Commandments were given for. Remember, they're not arbitrary rules. These are family laws. God gave the Ten Commandments to His family, the nation of Israel, so they would in turn teach their families and they would build their homes and make their homes safe and secure by following God's law. So the Ten Commandments were given primarily to protect the family. And I think we see this in the Second Commandment. Now, it may surprise you to learn that this commandment here is the most repeated commandment in the Bible of all the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, folks, the word idol or the word idolatry appears over 220 times in the Bible. There's more denunciation of idolatry than any other sin mentioned in God's Word. For, uh, listen, for God, I believe idolatry is public enemy number one. Now, if God had a most wanted list, idolaters would be on the top of that list. And the reason is simple. Everybody worships some kind of God. Everybody believes in some kind of deity. Now, I know there are people that say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Now, it may be nature, it may be science, uh, it may be wealth, or it may be material possessions, it may be the God of self, but I'm telling you, everybody worships some kind of God. It may be, uh, you know, that you, you say, well, no, I'm an atheist. <laughs> they know such things as an atheist. All right, let's just make that clear. Everybody worships some kind of a God. Do you realize that fact is the reason that the Bible teaches and preaches against idolatry instead of atheism. Because in reality, there are really no atheists. I'm going to say it again. Everybody believes and everybody worships some kind of God, some kind of deity. And here's something else you may not know about the second commandment. It's the only commandment where God says, if you break this commandment, you hate me. Now, if you worship a false god, if you worship anything other than God, or you attempt to worship the right God the wrong way, then this says that you hate God. That's according to this commandment. Now, folks, I realize there is one, if, if there is one commandment, that most people in 21st century America today think is irrelevant and does not matter, uh, absolutely not applicable to us, it would be the second commandment. Now, I realize there are people who believe that the Ten Commandments, they're arbitrary. Uh, they're, you know, they were written for a different time and a different culture. They're not applicable. They're irrelevant for us today. A lot of people believe that. Now, I, granted, I know we do have some irrelevant laws on the books across our land. You realize every state in this nation has some irrelevant, goofy laws. Let me just share a few with you. These are actual laws... On state books, okay? In Georgia, it is illegal to eat fried chicken with a fork. That's a law. In Connecticut, you can't sell a pickle unless it'll bounce. In Michigan, I think I've told you this before. In Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan, actually, they have a law 
that you cannot tie your alligator to a fire hydrant. I did not realize they had a problem with alligators in Michigan. Uh, let's see, Arkansas. Here's a, here's a word when I found out about Arkansas. It is illegal to mispronounce the name Arkansas. And then uh, here in Oklahoma, folks, it's illegal to intentionally trip a horse and intentionally wrestle a bear. I would say, yeah, those laws are frivolous. Those laws are pretty uh, irrelevant today. But I want to assure you of something. God's laws, they're not irrelevant. They're not arbitrary. They're not temporary. They're universal and they are permanent. They're for every person and every age. In fact, 1,800 years after this commandment was given, the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21, he said, little children, guard yourself against idols. Now, the first and the second commandments, they sound similar, folks, and they go hand in hand together, but they really are different because the first commandment, it tells us not to worship the wrong God. He had no other gods before me, God says. Don't worship the wrong God. The second commandment tells us not to worship the right God in the wrong way. So the first commandment tells us who we're to worship, and this second commandment we're looking at today tells us how we're to worship this one God. Now, you're going to see this commandment has both a potential curse and a potential blessing for the home. And the single, I believe the single greatest issue for the security of your family is found in two questions. And here they are. Number one, will the home worship the right God? And number two, will the home worship the right God in the right way? Or to put it another way, will the home worship a God they create, a little God, or will they worship the God that created the home? Now, there's several truths I want to show you in these three verses, this second commandment this morning. So look with me. Let's first of all read verses 4 in the first part of verse 5. Ye shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. Folks, understand. Now, you may have a grasp what idolatry is. Let me explain it to you. Let me go a little deeper. Idolatry is the attempt to represent the supernatural God in a natural way. To put it even better, it's an attempt to represent, uh, uh, to represent a spiritual God in a material way, okay? Or to represent Him again in a natural way. The problem is to worship God through an image or through an idol, that would be like having a picture of your family and loving the picture more than you love your family. Now, let me ask you a question. If Israel, which they didn't know that there's only one true God, why did God feel compelled to have to give them this commandment then? I think it's simple. I think it's because God knows human nature. And God knows ourselves better than we know ourselves. You know a story in uh, Exodus 30, 32. Moses is up having a conference with God on Mount Sinai. God's giving him the Ten Commandments. Well, Moses tarries in his meeting with God so the people get tired of waiting. And what do they do? They build a golden calf. They build an idol. Now, I'm sure they got the idea for that idol because of all the years that they had spent down in Egypt. Now, think about this. Israel, they broke the first two commandments before they even knew what those commandments were. They broke them. Now, do you know why they made a golden calf? It's simple. They had to have a visible image. They had to have something they could see, something they could touch. That's human nature. Now, think about this. It takes less faith to worship a little God 
than it does to worship the real God. A little God that you can see or the real God that you can't see. That's why God's so thorough about it. Thorough about it. Look at verse 4 again. He said, You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven, above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. That pretty much covers everything. Nothing in the sky, nothing on the earth, nothing in the sea. Now, that's really not a problem, I think, that we have in 21st century America. But let me say this. We still have a great problem with idolatry in 21st century America. Because let me explain it like this. The idols that we worship today, they're not ones that we make with our hands. They're ones that we make with our hearts. They're not, they're not uh, made of wood and, and uh, metal. They're primarily made mental. Let me read something to you. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 6. The prophet says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, and this is God talking to him, Thus says the Lord God, repent. Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart. You hear that? In his heart. And puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. And then God goes on to say, I, the Lord, will answer him and set my face against him. Now, folks, listen to me. So many people today... They worship a God the way they want God to be rather than the way God really is. Than the way God has revealed Himself to us in Scripture. And the problem with that, it's idolatry. And the problem with idolatry is we elevate what we like about God and we eliminate what we don't like about God. Let me give you some examples, some idols, some false representations of God that people worship today. See if these hit home. First of all, there's the man upstairs God. You've heard that term, right? The man upstairs, God. He, he's a guy just like us. He just lives a little higher than us. He's no big deal. The man upstairs, God. Then secondly, folks, you have the benevolent God. Or I guess another word would be the Santa Claus God. You know, this God, folks, uh, we know about this God. This is the God that owes us everything and anything. You know, he's a heavenly ATM machine. And, and we just ask. And we should expect from Him to have prosperity and blessings and new clothes and a new car, you know, a Mercedes and a, and a Rolex and have everything that we want. The benevolent Santa Claus God. But then here's another one. There's the doctor God. You know, this is the God that always wants us to be healed, never wants us to be sick. And if you're sick and you stay sick, it's not God's problem, it's your problem because you just didn't have enough faith. Heard about that God? Here's another one. The sappy, sentimental, lovey-dovey God. This is my favorite one. This is a God that would never send anybody to hell. It doesn't matter whether they believe in Jesus Christ or not. It doesn't matter whether they obey God or not. In the end, this sentimental, sappy, lovey-dovey God is going to take everybody to heaven with Him. You heard somebody talk about that kind of God? Now, let me explain something to you. I want to make it very clear. I believe that God is love. Because the Bible teaches it. No uncertain terms. God is love. But don't make this mistake. God is love, but love is not God. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I don't believe you can divide the attributes of God. I've said that before. But if you could, God's grace, His love, His mercy, forgiveness, His judgment, His wrath, all these things, all these attributes of God, they flow out of one attribute. And you know what it is? It's not love. It's holiness. God is a holy God. 
You see, the problem with all these gods that I just mentioned a few moments ago, they're false gods. They're idols made up in people's minds. Because, listen to me, there's nothing you can compare with God. There's nothing in this world you can point to and say, God is like. God is the great unlike. He is the incomparable God. You know, I heard the story uh, about a first grade class, and they were drawing pictures. And the teacher was walking by, looking at all the kids' pictures, and there was one little boy there named Johnny. She said, Johnny, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. She said, well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. Johnny said, well, they will when I get through with it. Folks, let me illustrate this way, what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever seen Mount Everest? Would you raise your hand for me? You ever been actually seen? Nobody. Thank you, brother. Got one in the back. So the vast majority of people in this congregation, in this building today, you have never seen the beauty, the grandeur, the, the majesty of the highest peak on earth. I got good news for you. Here you go. Look at the beauty of that. Look at the grandeur and the majesty of that. Isn't, isn't it great? Say, preacher, you've lost your mind. Yeah, I lost it years ago. It comes from living in a house full of women. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen to me. I want you to follow me on this. I know that you know that it's absurd to think that you can capture the beauty, the majesty, and the grandeur of Mount Everest with a drawing. And not a very good drawing at that. Now, I want you to listen to me. The problem, follow me, the problem with any idol is an idol makes the infinite God finite. The, vis- the invisible God visible. It makes the heavenly God earthly. It makes the eternal God temporal. Friend, it makes the spiritual God material and the living God dead. That's why a created God, even a false one, the image that we create in our mind, it limits real worship of God. But look at the second thing. A created God also leads to false worship. I'm going to keep this. The the Louvre in Paris may want to keep that. A created God leads to false worship. Now listen to me. Idolatry is the worship of a God we create instead of the God who created us. And again, there's only two types of gods you're going to worship. You can either worship the God who made you, or you can worship a little God that you've made. You'll either worship the creator God or a created God. One that you've created in your own mind, your own heart. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 14, 22. He says, Are there any among the idols of the nations who give rain? Or can the heavens grant showers? Is it not you, O Lord our God? Therefore we hope in you, for you are the one who has done all these things. You know what Jeremiah is saying? Why in the world would you waste time worshiping a false god? A created god when you could be worshiping the real god. The creator god. Now, let me ask you a point-blank question right here. What is your idol? What is your idol? You say, well, I don't, I'm pretty sure I don't, I don't think I have one. Well, you want to know whether or not you have an idol, whether or not you're guilty of idolatry? Then it's simple. Answer two questions. The first question is this. What do you love the most? What do you love the most? Maybe you heard the story about the, the lady and her husband, yeah, and her husband, she, she got upset during football season. Week after week after week, you know, every Saturday and Sunday, he was glued to the TV watching football. And she felt ignored, so finally she had all she could take. She got up and planted herself in front of the television set. He's trying to look around her. 
She stomped her foot and said, I want to know, and I want to know right now, which do you love more, me or football? Her husband kind of sat there for a long minute, looked up at her, and he said, well, honey, I love you more, I love you more than hockey. You know that, right? So let me ask you, friend, what do you love the most? What do you love the most? You know, the Apostle Paul said there are some people who love food more than anything else. Philippians 3, 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. There are some people, they love fun, they love pleasure more than anything else. 2 Timothy 3, 4, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Some people love money. They love finances more than anything else. Job, Job 31, verse 24. If I put my confidence in gold and called fine gold my trust, and in verse 28 he says, that too would have been an iniquity calling for judgment, for I would have denied God above. Some people, they park their idols in a garage. Some people dock their idols in a marina. Some people put their idols in a safety deposit box. Other people, they build their idols up on a hill and live in them. Folks, listen to me. Some people worship fitness. Their, their bod is their God. You know what I'm talking about? Now these people, they won't come to church. Oh, maybe once a month. Or maybe they're Christian Christians, you know, Eastern Christ, and Christmas. They won't come to church. But they'll never miss a day at the, at the gym. They'll pop their vitamins, pump their iron, have their plastic surgeries. And I guess there's nothing wrong with all that unless it becomes your idol. Then there are people who worship family. I've had people tell me, well, my family is always first. Mm, God better be first. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, verse 37, he said, if you love father and mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. And then we have folks today, they worship uh, fame. I mean, think about it. We actually have folks in our country today who live their lives, who make their decisions, who, who base their choices in life over what some out-of-touch, elite, uh, self-indulgent ignoramus in Hollywood says. They are people that worship fame. Somebody said once, and they said it well, the problem in America is we got way too many idols and not enough heroes. The second question. Ask yourself, what do you love the most? If you want to determine whether or not you're an idolater, then ask this, what do you trust the most? In other words, where do you put your security? Is it in your job? Your pension? Your 401k? Is it in the government? Uh, medicine? Science? In your bank account? Now, I'm going to make it very simple for you, okay? I want you to listen. Listen real close to your pastor. And I realize I am fixing to make some people mad. The truth can be offensive. So I want you to listen real close to what I'm going to tell you. You want to know whether you're an adult, uh, and excuse me, adulterer, I didn't mean to say that, idolater. Whether you're guilty of the sin of idolatry or not, then show me two things, friend. Show me your checkbook and your calendar. Where you spend your time and where you spend your treasure, that will tell you whether you're guilty of the sin of idolatry or not. Now we've seen a created God limits real worship. A created God leads to false worship. But now I want you to see the true God. The creator God, He liberates true worship. Look at verse 5. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me. That's an amazing thing. God says, God admits that He is a jealous God. And the word jealous actually means, in Hebrew, means to burn. So He burns with jealousy. Now, I'm going to say this. Nothing provokes the jealousy of God, and might I say the anger of God, like idolatry does. That's the reason God Himself said in Deuteronomy 32, 21, They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols. Let me explain to you why God is a jealous God. It's because God has the monopoly on being God. So what do you mean, preacher? I'm saying that He has the exclusive copyright. He has the one and only patent. He has cornered the market on being God. Let me explain it a little better. No human being ever has the right to be jealous of another human being. You know why? Because there are a whole lot of other human beings out there. No preacher has the right to be jealous of another preacher. Why? Because there's a lot of other preachers out there. No musician or athlete has the right to be jealous of another musician or athlete. Why? Because there's a whole lot of other athletes and musicians out there. But friend, listen to me. God has the right to be jealous because there are no other gods out there. He's the one and only. Let me explain to you. It's not that that God is jealous for Himself. God's jealous for His children. Just like any loving father, good loving father is jealous for their children. They want what's best for them. They want the best education, the best care. They want them to become the best people possible. So God is jealous for His children. He wants what's best for them. That's why the second commandment comes with a curse. And this is very difficult for a lot of people to swallow. But I want you to look at it. Verse 5. Notice again. Something careful here. Be, look at it. Don't overlook it. He says he'll punish three or four generations of those who hate me. Now let me explain something. The reason why children get punished is because they continue to worship the same God that their fathers worshipped. And that their fathers taught them to worship. Let me make it real clear. I am 100% confident that the most important thing you can ever do for your family is to make sure your family learns to worship the right God the right way. And the most destructive thing you can do for your family and your family's future is fail to worship the right God or fail to worship the right God the right way. But I want you to notice there's also a blessing in this. Again, verse 5 and 6. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Verse 6. But, here's a great change, showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Did you notice the promise is more powerful than the curse? The curse lasts for three or four generations. The promise lasts for thousands of generations. Why is that? Because, folks, listen to me. This is where true homeland security rises and falls. Deuteronomy 4. You get a chance to read it this afternoon. Deuteronomy 4, actually the whole chapter, but verses 15 to 16. And let me paraphrase for you. What it says is God says for your own good, for what's best for you, don't sin by making an idol of any kind, any shape, form, or fashion. There's nothing as liberating and nothing as freeing as worshiping the right God the right way. I mean, think about how that sets you free. Think about how that sets your family free. No longer do you have to worry about the approval of people. All you have to worry about is the approval of God. And when you worship the right God the right way, He sets you free from your past because you're completely forgiven. 
And then, folks, He sets you free in the present because you have God's power in your life day by day. And He sets you free for the future because you know you're going to spend eternity with Him. Now, I'm wrapping it up here. Do you understand why the first two commandments are the first two? Because God's not about rules. And how many times you heard me say this? He's about relationships. Relationship. Even though I entitled this message and from the start, image is not everything, I want to close by saying this. There is one image that is everything, and that's Jesus Christ. God's already revealed Himself in an image. Colossians 1, verse 15, speaking of Jesus, says He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That word image in the Greek, that's where we get our English word icon. Jesus is the exact icon. He's the complete image of God. Now understand, Jesus was not made after the image of God. Not made (coughs) in the image of God. Jesus is the image of God. Why? Because He is God. The exact representation of God. Now i got some good news for you. You don't have to settle for anything less than the real thing. You don't have to make a God up in your mind if you'll follow the God of Scripture. The way that He has revealed Himself to you. You don't have to settle for a false when you have the real thing. That's why when you put God first and you worship the right God the right way according to His Word and you get to know the real image of God by getting to know Jesus Christ, then you can secure your home, friend. You can secure your home both in this life and the life to come. That's true homeland security. Do you bow your heads, please? just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. If you've been worshiping an idol instead of the true God, you've had some idea of God made up in your mind, but it's not the biblical revelation of God, then you need to repent this morning. Ask God to forgive you and begin to study your word, begin to worship and serve the true God. If you've allowed something into your life that you love more, that you trust more than God. That has become your idol. And you need to get rid of it or you need, you need to change. God needs to be first place in your life. Not your possessions. Not fame. Not position. Not even family. God must be first place. Father, I pray for those that need to make a decision this morning that would have the courage to do so. Father, I pray that we would be mindful and be cautious of idols in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand, please?
Folks, I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment as Teresa continues to play. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never established that relationship with God. This is your opportunity. You say, I don't know how to do that. You simply surrender all that you are to all of Him. This is your opportunity to do so. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian, but you've never made a public profession of the fact that you've given your life to Christ. We need to do that today. Maybe you're here and you've never followed Christ in baptism. You've never been obedient to that call upon your life. Well, you need to come forward this morning. Maybe you're here you're looking for a church home. If, if God's leading you here, by all means, come forward. Let's talk about it. Or maybe you just need to come and kneel at the altar and pray. Kneel at the front of the church and pray. Whatever decision you need to make, this is the time to do it. We're going to sing another verse.